Hey everyone, it's time to come together at Anthology Together, July 12th through 15th, 2021 at the Gaylord Texan Resort and Convention Center. In person, yes, I said it, Elizabeth and I are excited to announce that this is the first time we will ever meet in person. The Edip Experience will be there recording. It's going to be exciting. You can register at anthologytogether.com and enter the promo code EDUPPROMO with only the D being lowercase. That's E-D-U-P-P-R-O-M-O with only the D lowercase for $75 off your registration. It's time to come together, ladies and gents. We'll see you at Anthology Together. Welcome back to America's leading higher education podcast, The EdUp Experience, where we make education your business. Hosts Dr. Joe Salustio, Elizabeth Leiba, and producer Elvin Freitas bring you the brightest and most influential minds in higher education today. We explore innovations, ideas, and issues in higher education and beyond, and hopefully have a little fun along the way. Now let's get to it. Guys, this is Joe just popping in to ask if you've signed up for your free marketing consultation with MDT Marketing yet. If you haven't, head to mdtmarketing.com slash edup, submit your information, get your free consultation today. Don't do it alone. Find the right partner. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Edup Experience, where we make education your business, interviewing the brightest and most influential minds across higher education and beyond. My name is Dr. Joe Salustio. It's kind of time to kick the tires and light the fires. Wouldn't you say uh, the phenom Elizabeth Leiva? Wait a second. You want to kick the tires and light the fires? That's a new one. I like well, that. You know, I, you know as, as we go through and we, we, I, I, it's our expectation at the Edip Experience that you at least leave with something each and every time we have an episode uh, that educates you. And in this case, kick the tires and light the fires is one of my favorite quotes from, in my opinion, the greatest Will Smith movie of, of all time, Independence Day. When they're going really? to fight the aliens and Harry Connick Jr. says, time to kick the tires and light the fires, big daddy. And so I thought it would be appropriate to bring that little piece of education into the episode. I don't know why, but I, am uh, obsessed with trying to change up the intro just a little bit. So I thought maybe some pop culture movie references might be a good way to do that. What do you think? I love it. I'm here for it. I love Will Smith. I actually love Harry Connick Jr. as well. So, and I love that movie. It's one of my favorites. So I'm here for it. Love it. Well, good. We, um, by the way, kick the tires and light the fires, I think, and somebody out there uh, will have to correct me, but I think it's originally comes from the Air Force. Uh, as uh, mm. military members, they would literally kick the tires of the plane to, uh, check them or whatever before the uh the aircraft takes off okay so yeah huh. i yeah, i don't know i think maybe in top gun you might have heard it too i don't know where it came from but anyway okay. uh Good. you know maybe i should start this whole thing over but we're just going to keep going because we got an amazing guest for you today uh, i'm I excited always, i can always go back and edit myself out right liz can you edit the whole thing or no <laughs> i can edit <laughs> the whole thing out if i need to <laughs> Um, perhaps I'm going crazy, so I'm happy to introduce our guest today. Um, she's a, a, an incredible, she started an incredible company. Um, we know that mental health um, is, I would say, the 
issue of our time right now, one of the, along with I think social justice, and I think they're somewhat related in a number of ways. Her name is yes. Simone Figueroa, and she is co-founder and president of Youth Thrive Educational Services. Simone, how are you? I'm doing great, Joe. Thank you so much, Liz and Joe, for having me on the podcast today. Yeah, sorry for totally screwing up that intro, by the way, of, of the uh, Edip experience at the beginning. But hopefully, um, hopefully I didn't screw up the part where I introduced you because you're the most important part of this podcast right now. And so we want to start by having you tell us about Youth Thrive. Assume that there's somebody out here uh, in our audience that hasn't heard of Youth Thrive before. Set the stage for us as we start to ask you questions today. What do you guys do? Yeah, well, I'm happy to share more. I can talk about this all day, every day. So basically at Youth Thrive Educational Services, we provide mental and emotional wellness programs for college students to help them manage stress, become more resilient, and really just thrive throughout their undergraduate experience and beyond. And um, this really is a huge passion of mine. It stems from my own struggles with my mental and emotional wellness as a college student. And so it's been really amazing to be able to bring this programming to college students and try to proactively give them the skills and tools they need to handle adversities before they become crises. Hmm. So that's a, a good place to start because, you know, so, so many of our passion projects generate from personal experience. Um, so you had some experiences in your undergraduate experience. First of all, where did you attend uh, your undergrad? I went to the University of Florida. Mm. Go Gators. Mm. Go Gators, fellow UF here. <laughs> oh my goodness, oh my goodness, here we go. It's, it's, like, it's like you're permeating society, all of the Gator. Chomp, chomp. <laughs> Um, so this is this the part where I just exit and let the two of you take it away. Is it, um, talk, talk to us about those struggles a little bit, Simone, without, you know, for, get as uh, detailed as you'd like. But, you know, Liz talks about this a lot, too, when she relates. Oh, Liz, I'm probably taking the words out of your mouth. But when she talks about her undergrad experience at Florida, huge campus, where do you go? What do you do? How do you experience it? So many ways to go about things and it can become almost overwhelming uh, or it does become overwhelming, confusing. Talk about your experiences and what led you to go, okay, wait a second, I can do something about this. Yeah, well, you really hit the nail on, on the head, overwhelming, you know, a huge campus. You know, when I was there, over 35,000 undergraduate students, and I thought I was really prepared to go to college. Um, when I got to UF, I was succeeding academically, and truthfully, from the outside looking in, my life looked, um, and I'm putting in air quotes, perfect, right? I was getting good grades. I had made really good friends. My family back home was happy and healthy, but I just really struggled with the transition and quickly became very anxious and overwhelmed and depressed. And I feel really fortunate that I had the kind of relationship with my family where I was able to share some of the struggles I was going through and we jointly determined that it would be good for me to go to therapy, which I did, and it was wonderful, but it really just kind of got me back to baseline, and it wasn't until my junior year in college that I like to say I really went from surviving to thriving, and I solely attribute that shift to the fact that I stumbled upon a credit-bearing course in mindfulness, 
And in this course, I really learned how to manage stress, how to better connect with myself and the experiences that I was going through to build community with others in the class to open up and recognize that I wasn't the only one who found college to be challenging at times and, you know, not putting on a face like everything's going great. And I remember thinking at the time, wow, I wish I learned these skills earlier. I feel like they would have saved me so much struggle and strife. Um, and obviously it had such a profound impact that it changed the trajectory of my career. Now I, uh, I won't take you down a whole uh, <laughs> rabbit hole of my professional experience, but ultimately um, I ended up going back to get my master's in psychology and education. And I became um, really fascinated with the subfield of uh, positive psychology. I took a year long practicum in positive psychology and I became fascinated with the subfield of positive education, which is really all about infusing uh, heart-based skills into an academic environment, things like grit and resilience. And through my research, I realized that most of the efforts were being geared towards K through 12 and virtually nothing was being done to help college students. And there was this huge mental health crisis on college campuses. And so that research coupled with my own personal struggles and experience made me really want to do something about it and to say, hey, it doesn't have to be this way. We can teach college students skills to manage stress and hopefully help them you know, thrive in college. So that was a really long-winded answer, but um, you know, that's a little bit about how you know, you thrive started and the struggles that I went through in college. That's okay, we've got Liz here. She knows all about long-winded answers, so don't, don't sweat it. Um, right, Liz? That's where you pop in and laugh. No, I did my little <laughs> pop in. I'm right on on schedule, right on cue. Well, before I before I pass it to Liz uh, to get into to her pieces, I think I'm. I, I want to ask you something that you made me think of, and I'm. I, I don't know how to ask it in the right way, so I'm just kind of kind of throw it up, if you will, here. But our this maybe this is a hard question maybe this is an easy question Simone but you know our society over the last I don't know let's just call it 10 years or maybe 15 years and like you go back to a really long time ago when Elizabeth attended uh, the University of Florida for example I um, attended when UF was like <laughs> founded like back UF in wasn't the even days. in the SEC <laughs> at that point before uh, way before that they didn't even have football back then right yeah for football what was that um so <laughs> Uh, but, but, you know, like back in the old days, let's call it old days, or, you know, I've looked, looked back when, um, you know, kids went to college, say 20 years ago, there was this like, you know, get over yourself, you know, you're going to college, like, seriously, you're going to complain about your, your, your mental health, like, just get out of the house and go to school and figure it out, you know, take out your loans, do what you need to do. Don't get caught up in, you know, the party scene, get it done. And if you complain, you know, you can get your butt to work and, and, there's this argument out there that the gen, this generation, uh, I guess it would be Z, maybe Y, Z, and uh, what's the one that comes after? Gen Z. Gen, gen Z, Z, millennials, right, um, are soft. Uh, they haven't really mm -hmm. experienced, you know, there's been no war, there's, but now coronavirus is an experience in itself. But even before coronavirus, there's this thought like, you know, it's softer. Do we really need safe spaces? And you just read the news and you see that it sometimes becomes a political issue in, in a way, mm -hmm. you know, 
talk to us about how you understand this and you know how your organization sets itself within that context. Yeah, that's a really great question. You know, I've heard of this generation being referred to as snowflake children before, right? Like they're very fragile. And I think just in general, we really, um, as a society, have kind of set the stage that have lent itself to um, this quote unquote mental health crisis. I also think that mental health has been an issue for a really long time, but it was kind of like, be quiet and don't talk about it as you kind of shared, you know, just put on a brave face, toughen up and, and get through it. And, and I think, you know, people for a long time have kind of really uh, suppressed their emotions. So I think on one hand, yes, I, I think that we have a culture of perfectionism, of overachievement. I think whether it's self-inflicted or inflicted by, you know, external, you know, figures in your life, parents, guardians, um, you know, helicopter parents, whatever you want to call it. I think just this creation of perfectionism, this inability to deal with failure, these participation trophies and all these things have absolutely played into not setting people up for success or how to deal with trials and tribulations. But I also do think on the flip side, because we say, you know, why, why, why are, there, are there people, so many more mental health issues? And I, I'm not even sure that it's really that. It's also that people are more empowered and there is absolutely, yes, there's still stigma out there, but there is a reduction in stigma, which is fantastic. And more people are vocal about their struggles and their desire for more and their desire to get help. And so I think it's really this intricate balance between, yes, like I do think there's a little bit of fr fragility, but I do think also part of it is just this greater acceptance and this, this ability to advocate for yourself and speak up when things are, when you're struggling. Well done. Liz, you want to pop in? Absolutely. I am fascinated by this as a program because we have that shared connection of attending University of Florida. And I have been pretty vocal about Joe came off mic. Did you want to say go Gators really quick, Joe? Or what, what were you? <laughs> what did you need? What did you go need? Gators. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> so with that being said, I agree with Joe that there is there was that somewhat of a, I experienced that when I was an undergrad, like, hey, it's college, it's hard. Like, you know, what did you think it was going to be a cakewalk? Just go do what you have to do and just handle it. Um, so I definitely am really um, in admiration of the fact that you are able to take that challenge and the experience that you had and take that and, and be reflective about how you might be able to turn that around and help others. I'd love to talk about the practical aspect of logistically how this would work. So if a school, a college or university is listening, leadership, those are student affairs, those are uh, that are in student support, and they want to think about some of the programs that you have. I was actually looking at the website, I'm really fascinated by some of the actual programming that you offer as a part of what your organization uh, has in terms of programming, can you tell us a little bit about how you're able to connect with organizations, universities, and take us through some of the programming, the first year Thrive, uh, the first generation programming, some of this stuff I think is stuff that I haven't seen before. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about how these programs are able to incorporate into a campus and, and, and what, what some of the colleges and universities are asking you to bring to their campuses. 
Yeah, I would love to. Um, so our programs, all of them, they are rooted in three pillars, the fields of positive psychology, mindfulness, and self-compassion. And this was really done intentionally because we are all unique individuals and what resonates with you isn't necessarily going to resonate with me. And so it was really important to us to bring as many different thought leaders. We have over 35 leading experts in these fields from various institutions across the country who believe in our mission, who see the need to help college students and who came on board to help develop this curriculum and material. And we really wanted to expose students to as many different fields and tools and exercises as they possibly can to help them because not everything's going to work for everybody. And so the way that our programs were designed, they were designed with the utmost flexibility, right? So they can be offered asynchronously, they can be offered synchronously in terms of being offered as a digital program and then integrated into um, discussions in a classroom. So we work with all different kinds of institutions, every single kind of department. There's no one way to enter. We, we work with first year experience departments and counseling departments and academic success courses and, and you name it. And so this really is all about each institution and each institution and each department on each campus is really unique. And so we want to bring this material in a way that's going to resonate the most. So our, let's just say our five hour program, our first year thrive program, that is a five hour program, again, rooted in the fields of positive psychology, mindfulness and self-compassion. And institutions usually have students either go through the program before they step foot on campus as part of kind of like an onboarding, a pre-orientation, perhaps they go through it asynchronously. And if that's all an institution wants their students to do, they can provide a certificate of completion, similarly to how students go through alcohol, you know, safe alcohol um, education and sexual misconduct prevention education, you know, we are of the mentality that every student should go through some form of proactive mental and emotional wellness training before they step foot on campus. And so that's one way that the program can be offered, or we work with institutions where they will have our program integrated into a existing academic course and they will have students watch the video content. Our program is a digital based program where most of the didactic material can be taught online from our experts. And then for those institutions that want to deepen the conversation and create community, right? That's our hope is that we're gonna create community for students so they can recognize that they're not alone. They can hear from their peers. And that can really be done via the implementation of our instructor manuals and they build in conversations into their class time with students. So that's really the two main ways that our programs are offered, whether they're offered for credit or whether they're offered kind of as a required co-curricular uh, program. For the first time um, this past semester, it was really interesting. One of the institutions that we partnered with, they partnered with the counseling department to facilitate the discussions of the students going through our five hour program. And so for me, it's really neat and really fun to work with each institution and figure out, okay, what are your needs and what's gonna be the best way that we can deliver this material in a way that's gonna work for you and your students to actually effectuate change. That's our greatest desire is to effectuate change. We're not here to check a box. That's awesome. This is really, really good because I think 
that Joe would agree with me. One of the things that one of the conversations that we've been having with college leadership is about how they are working on their campuses to help students navigate not only the first year um, experience, not only, you know, students that are coming from marginalized backgrounds and things of that nature, but also just everything that's happened over the past year. We have to agree that as a country, a lot of us are struggling with just functioning as parents, as working on our jobs, as everything else, just going out to the grocery store, everything has been just turned upside down. So I can just imagine as someone going onto a college campus or trying to navigate how to just balance everything where there's online learning and, and everything that comes along with being a student, how this has uh, been something that might have been uh, quite an overwhelming or definitely unforeseen for college campuses to navigate. What are some of the things that college campuses are asking you for? What are some of the challenges or what are some of the things that have impacted campuses and, and have you been able to respond to in terms of the student experience and how that's been changed due to the past year and the, the pandemic? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think to be able to provide a how-to, a, a, a ability, a mechanism to give them these skills where they don't need to do the legwork in creating the materials themselves has been a real blessing, right? I think one of the, um, I guess, kind of like gifts, I should say, of all of the chaos and turmoil that we've experienced, at least in the world that I'm in, in and that you guys are in, is that, you know, I feel like there's been this mental health crisis for a while and there's finally been this spotlight that's been shown on the need to proactively, then that's really the key word, right? Like I think a lot of institutions have recognized that they need to do more to support their student mental health, but quite frankly, a lot of the approaches have, have been more reactionary. And I think it's this desire to offer something proactively, more life skills, you can, you can call it. And so I think the fact that our program can literally be, it's like turnkey. All you need to do is, you know, un, unpack and play, so to speak, with the digital program. Now, if there is somebody that is an expert or knowledgeable in the field of positive psychology, mindfulness, and self-compassion, and they want to infuse their own expertise and thoughts and perspective and examples, that's amazing. But our program was created, you know, in terms of the implementation and the facilitator and instructor side of things with the novice in mind. You don't need to have any knowledge in these fields to be able to facilitate conversations. And I think that's what we've really heard, especially now that has been so such a relief that it's, you know, they're able to have meaningful conversations on these topics that they've wanted to maybe cover with students, but they haven't really felt empowered or like they had the capabilities of doing so. And so we lay everything out there for them. And I think just one other thing on like a, a kind of a related note, but something that we're always trying to make sure that we are really staying cutting edge, both in terms of with our content, with the feedback that we get from students and the material we're sharing, and also from the instructor standpoint. And one thing that we really noticed, we noticed that our program was being used with first generation limited income students. And even though our programs were initially designed to really be able to be used to handle whatever challenge you're going through, right? We as humans, we all 
have similar emotions that we go through. Yes, there's varying degrees of our struggles, but these skills can be applied to whatever it is that you're going through. But we really wanted to um, meet the specific needs of that subset of the college population. And once we saw that our programs were being used in that capacity. And so we're really excited that we, um, in a month from now, in June, we are launching a program. And I know Liz, you brought that up earlier. So that's why I wanted to touch upon it. Yes, we're launching a program specifically for first generation and or limited income students. It's good stuff. I mean, really is, especially like you said, with the spotlight that's been put on mental health in general, it's always been there. It has always been there. I mean, I think that's to say that it hasn't been there would be a little naive, I think it's always been there, but it's attention that gets put on something to make innovation come from it. So I, I applaud you for what you're doing. I, you know, you mentioned the word proactive. And so I wanna ask you about that a little bit because, um, you, you know, I'm curious to know how the model works, right? So do you partner with universities to offer this at scale to their students or do you go and market to the individual student having Right, it might be too late if they're already having mental health problems, or at least maybe that the there's a different kind of help, or you hit at the front end before that mental health need kicks into place. How, how does the model work, and how do you get to insert yourself in the higher ed ecosystem, as it were? Yeah, that that's a great question. So our partner is the higher ed institution, um, and they use our content and deliver it to their students in the the variety of of ways that I mentioned earlier. So we're not really targeting individual students. And most of our programs are actually uh, quote unquote required. Like they are integrated into a course that students have to go through. And, you know, it's one of those things where you don't really know what you don't know, right? So I think that's been really, um, that's what's needed. We need to give students these skills even if they don't necessarily know that they need them because maybe they don't have this particular moment, but the hope is that when something does come up, a little light bulb will go off and maybe they will refer back to some of the materials that they learned. So we tend to partner with higher education institutions to proactively deliver this. And again, the whole hope is that we will then be freeing up spaces, right? That's a huge issue on, on college campuses, the, the lack of, um, you know, uh, the increased wait time to get in to see a counselor, which definitely has been made better with the um, incorporation of, of telemedicine and teletherapy. But, you know, those are really great and they're really important components to tackling the mental health problem, but they're only one component, right? And usually students are seeking them out when they already have an issue. So we wanna get to students before they have an issue so that they can maybe use some of these skills. And then you know what, maybe if they are really struggling and we can help them identify when it's time to maybe go for some one-on-one -on -one therapy and encourage them to get the help they deserve, that there's a spot open for them to readily do so. Are you using the right mix of channels to get in front of your audience? Is your messaging personalized and delivered in a medium your audience responds to? Are you spending more time building reports than listening in on what your audience wants? These are not easy questions to answer. That's why our great friends at MDT Marketing are offering a free audit of your marketing efforts. Head to www.mdtmarketing.com edup and submit your information for your free consultation today. Look guys, you got nothing to lose. It's free. I don't know why you wouldn't want 
a free audit to tell you what you're doing, whether it's effective, and how you can make some incremental changes that can make a big difference moving forward. That's www.mdtmarketing.com slash edup. So what's your, you know, just obviously this is a higher ed network that we have here at the Edup Experience. What's your client list look like in terms of over clients that you work with? Do you have space to take on more universities and partner with them? What scale look like for you? What kind of an impact are you looking to make? Yeah. So, I mean, our goal, it is a lofty goal, um, but our goal is to reach every single college student in America at every single kind of institution, whether it's a four-year public institution, a community college, you know, whether it's a private, public, you know, we work with every single kind of institution because, again, this material is geared towards the human experience, something that we all go through. And so we absolutely are looking to scale even more. We want to partner with as many institutions as we can. Um, something that we're really proud of is we're always giving away a lot of free materials because we want to educate. We want to empower. We're, we're not in this you know, to, to make a profit. We're in this to effectuate change. And so we want to partner with as many institutions as we possibly can. Um, our programs are very affordable. They're all less than the cost of an average e-textbook. That's extremely important to us. And any student that goes through our program at the time of a partnership has access to the materials for life. And that includes all the updated programs, the materials that, you know, we add, we're always adding new resources. So again, we're here to educate, we're here to empower, we're here to make meaningful change. And, you know, we want to partner with as many institutions are, that are ready to take that step to do so. All right. So the lifetime access is kind of a big deal, right? Um, yeah. Being able to access these services for, for life, right? Because I might need them when I, when I start. I might need them in my third year, um, you know, of my undergraduate because something happens to me. And so being able to go back and access those, I might need them as I, I transition to my career, uh, you know, having that support is critical, right? It, it's, it's not just a one-time transaction uh, because if it were, if it were, that would almost be self-defeating in a way because it's, you know, then you're, you're just admitting that something only hits you once and you're done with it. Uh, you know, I, so how important is that to the students and institutions that you serve that the lifetime component is there? Huge. I think people are blown away that that's a component of our structure. And I think it really um, drives the point home that we are absolutely 100% in this for the students and for effectuating change. And so I think you know, that coupled with the fact that we're always updating the materials. We do a really deep dive with all of our content every six months. We have a library of over 750 free resources because our hope is that we'll introduce students to this material and they'll kind of pick and choose the areas that really resonated with them and that they'll want to dive deeper. And so we want to make life as easy as possible and nurture that in them for those students that do want to go deeper. And so we're always trying to give them as many different free opportunities to expand their knowledge as possible. Go ahead, Liz. I, see I, I love that concept. And, and I want to, I, I want to stay with that because I think what Joe just alluded to and what you explained is really important because of the fact that I think mental health services 
if we make it just a natural part of these, this is just information that is crucial and critical and beneficial. The idea that you're wanting to incorporate it or it is incorporated into the curriculum and it's something that's just a course that's mandatory. I think it's just like English. It's just like math. It's just like anything else that this is something that is going to be beneficial. And it has that, that lifetime, as Joe said, it's not something that you just need as a freshman. You might need that as you're going into your senior year and you're starting to get a little bit worried about, you know, looking for finishing your degree program. And then when you're looking for a job, that might be another set of there's, there's different touch points. How do you think, and this is, I guess, maybe more of a philosophical question, but how do you think the evolution and being able to offer these types of resources and, and this type of program and just in general, how the pandemic has kind of panned out and, and a lot of us are kind of thinking about mental health. How do you think your program and on campuses, the acknowledgement of mental health and destigmatizing of mental health and awareness of um, wellness and emotional well-being. How is that, do you think, going to evolve as, as we kind of go post-pandemic and, and things start to hopefully go somewhat back to normal? How, how do you see that playing out? And, and, and what, do you, what is your hope in terms of destigmatizing this, uh, these types of services? Yeah, I, I, that's a really great question. And I, the key word like that I'm hoping for is action. I think the awareness is there. And I think there is a huge need. I mean, there's a reason even, you know, pre-pandemic why courses on like the science of happiness were the most popular courses on college campuses. There is absolutely a need, a yearning, a desire from students. And I think finally administration is recognizing, okay, we need to do something about it. You know, they say that there's going to be this quote unquote second pandemic, a mental health pandemic. And that, you know, it, I would say that it's, it's already here. And so it's like, how are we going to continue to support this? You know, there was a recent um, survey that was administered by the American Council on Education that polled college presidents and 70% responded that they're pressing, the number one pressing concern was student mental health. And so I think that this now is something that is a huge and is going to continue post pandemic because of the aftermath and people are going to then if they haven't already, you know, because we, we still, you know, fortunately, I think we're on kind of the, the hurdle over, but, you know, we're still in the thick of it. People are going to need to process everything that is, has happened and that has gone down and in our climate and, you know, beyond just the pandemic. And so I think that institutions are really going to make this a focus on where they choose to allocate their uh, time and attention. You um, had a question and I lost it because Liz was, Liz's question was so good. So now I, I feel like if I ask my question, it's just a total loss. No, I'm sure your question is awesome too. You always have amazing questions. I feel like that your your optimism and support of me is, is very well said. Thank you, Liz. I feel like this is the perfect episode for it. We're talking about mental health. So thank Absolutely. you for that. Absolutely. I'm here to support you in any way that I can. I've, I feel like I've done a disservice to you at the beginning of the episode, kind of making fun of you a little bit. What a terrible episode to do that on as we talk about mental health. <laughs> well, now Joe, you need to implement some self-compassion then. Exactly. Yes. See, you're growing. You're growing. I love that. I love to thank see you. that reflection on your part. Well, thank you very much, Elizabeth. I very much appreciate that. You like that? Like that kindness I am exuding right now? 
It's wonderful. It's actually <laughs> amazing. I think Simone needs to sit in on the remainder of our podcast episodes for 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 the remainder of the year. Some, somebody go, somebody listening to this goes, "What is going on with this?" Simone laughed because Simone's like, "I didn't sign up for that. I'm yeah. not going to be sitting on." Okay. we're all in it together i'm just loving this absolutely oh. for sure we're, we're we're contributing to the your business model right now that's <laughs> right that's for sure and, and growth and reflection is a big part of it i think that colleges and universities and maybe simone can kind of talk about this a little bit as well i think that for the most part and for for joe and myself we've worked in higher ed so of course we're i don't say hypercritical but we we know over the course of our careers, how higher ed has evolved. And I think there, there has been more of a focus on outcomes and there has been a focus on the academics, there has been a focus on enrollment, marketing, some of those areas, but student support and creating those wraparound services, including mental health has not been, I think one of the areas that we've really thought about just because I don't think we've really thought about how the mental health aspect and the emotional well-being of a student contributes to retention. Can you talk to us a little bit about some of the conversations you're having with higher education leaders? Do you feel as though there is a more of, a, of an awareness of the fact that we have to have more of a student-centered model? And with that student-centered model comes the, the increase in outcomes. I think a lot of times, and Joe can probably speak to this because he has a lot more experience in, in enrollment and admissions than I do. But a lot of times, I think on the admissions side, it was kind of like, just get them in and, and they'll figure it out as they go. And there hasn't been as much of a thought process in how much students, um, mental health really contributes to them to being able to be successful actually graduating. Do you see that colleges and universities that you're working with, are they looking at um, mental health support services as a part of their retention strategy? What, what's your sense as you talk to higher ed leaders around the country? Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting. I think that what's really heartwarming is anybody that, you know, we're either partners with or prospective partners, anybody that I speak with in higher ed, I mean, there is this recognition that mental health plays a critical role in student success, right? That's why they're reaching out to us because they really believe in it. But I hear a lot of times if I'm meeting with somebody that, you know, they're not the sole decision maker and they need to get by and they ask me, Simone, how do we get buy-in from administration that this is important? How do we get them to, you know, justify and making an investment in something like this? And, you know, I have, there's a lot of research out there, you know, whether it's through the Healthy Mind study that, you know, students with mental health challenges are twice as likely to leave without graduating. I mean, that's huge. You know, poor, poor mental health, it hinders academic success and it lowers GPAs and it causes lapses in enrollment. And, you know, of course, we obviously want to, the primary focus is on the student and success and nurturing the student, but, you know, we can't negate the fact that obviously institutions have to focus on the, the bottom line. And it is been, it has been shown, you know, that supporting student mental health improves academic performance. It improves persistence and graduation rates. And, you know, therefore, there's a case to be made that investing in student mental health not only is it a wise academic decision, right? You're doing well by the students, but it's also a wise economic decision for an institution. So that's really what I always share with individuals who really need to perhaps get 
buy-in from other individuals and other stakeholders on their campus, that this is a critical component to student success and happier, what more, you know, better well-adjusted students will lead to, you know, decrease in, in graduation times um, and, and increased graduation rates. Yeah, you know, um, bottom line is always, uh, you know, it's sometimes hard to put an ROI on something, but, you know, as the old adage goes in recruitment, it's twice as hard to keep a student is to get a new mm -hmm. one. If you can keep the students that you have progressing through through their education, the ROI or tuition revenue is uh, a, a dependable number. Um, it's less dependable than to go out and try to find a new student that's going to that's going to stick, if you will. So uh, great point, Simone. We want to be uh, sensitive to your time. We like to keep our episodes right around 40 minutes. We're hitting that uh, hitting that stride right now. But we've got two final questions for you. And um, you can take these in either order uh, that you'd like. And the first one um, that I'm going to ask you is what did we miss? about you thrive educational services anything that you wanted to say that we didn't give you a chance to say anything that you have going on you didn't get a chance to mention so your opportunity to plug whatever you like at your uh, at your uh, uh, company and, and what you're doing and secondly what is the future of higher education going to look like yeah those are really um great points. I think, you know, this has been such a fruitful conversation. I really feel like I'm so appreciative of the platform and the opportunity to shine and continue to, you know, advocate for mental health support being a, a, a component, an integral component of college student education. And so I really think we covered everything, um, you know, again, just for listeners, especially if you are in higher education, I I ask of you to, there's a lot of research out there. I'm happy to share some of the research specifically on the benefits that mindfulness, positive psychology and self-compassion have on student well-being. I can send over some information. I can give my email or just if you Google it, you can see and just really consider incorporating these skills in the classroom in some way. It doesn't have to be in the form of a program like we offer. It can be something small, every class that you do to make proactive mental health a priority for your students and their success. So that's kind of what I'll say on that front. And in terms of the future of higher education, I, I really wholeheartedly believe and yes, I might be biased given my experience and the work that I do, but I believe it's not up for negotiation in terms of teaching students these skills and how to really deal with all of life's challenges, right? College is an incubator for self-growth and self-development and nurturing relationships. And I feel like a lot of these skills absolutely are inherent in the college experience through your relationships with your professors and your classmates and, you know, just through going through stress and things. But I think it, we're doing a real disservice to our future leaders if we're not teaching them how to navigate the terrain when it gets tough. And so I do think, fortunately, higher ed is recognizing this need to focus on supporting student mental health. I think that that trend is going to continue. That's my hope that it continues. And I think that that will just really be a um, huge selling point, I think, 
students are wanting it. And I think it will be a huge selling point for institutions that are making that a priority of focus, as well as the parents of students who are going to potentially attend those institutions. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another amazing, incredible, outstanding episode of the EdUp Experience podcast with your hosts, Elizabeth Leiba and Joe Salustio. She, our guest today is Simone Figueroa. She's president and co-founder and president of You Thrive Educational Services. Simone, it's been an honor to have you on EdUp today. Thank you so much for having me. And for anybody that wants to check out more about what we do, you can visit www.uthriveeducation.com. Thanks again. Hey, everybody. We hope you enjoyed that episode of the EdUp Experience. To learn more about the EdUp Experience, please visit our website at www.edupexperience.com and subscribe to our email list. Please share this podcast, head over to Apple, and please give us a rating and review. We appreciate your feedback. And of course, subscribe to the EdUp Experience so you're notified when our episodes drop. Here at the EdUp Experience, our goal is to make education your business. Thanks for listening.